just keep in mind, this is just a big show, man. It's a play. This is just a play. We're putting on a big old play. Just put on a show, everybody! Yeah, let's put on the play! That's, you know, Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland. Let's do it! I was terrorized. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, this is the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Tim Timebomb, Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shan, Austin Wilkin, and Rachel Tejada. Let's go! Hey, how are you? It's the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 30. If you've heard previous shows before, you know that we usually do a movie chat before we get into it with our featured guest. That will resume in the next visit you have with us. For now, we get a front-of-the-line pass to the fascinating world of haunted attractions with a guy who made the quintessential documentary film about it called Haunters, The Art of the Scare. We'll also get into the very controversial and dark subculture known as extreme haunts and experiences. You won't believe what you're about to hear. The crew gets spooky with Mr. John Schnitzer. Haunted houses are designed to make us laugh, to make us scream, and they make us feel like kids again. Hey, this is John Schnitzer, and you're being haunted by the Boo Crew. Humiliate me and make me feel bad and rip my clothes and try to fuck me up. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining the Boo Crew in the Speakeasy Studio is a gifted artist, creator, filmmaker, and entrepreneur. Through his company, The Brain Factory, which he co-owns, he has put together horror attractions and immersive experiences for people like Tim Burton, YouTube Red, Tashin Books, President Obama's first Halloween party at the White House, and more. He is also behind an incredible, highly acclaimed documentary film called Haunters, The Art of the Scare. Had its world premiere at Fantastic Fest. It's got a perfect score on Rotten Tomatoes, and rightfully so. Check it out on Netflix, and if you see it on iTunes, Blu-ray, and DVD, you'll also get 30 minutes of bonus features. This film is a Kickstarter-funded look at the fascinating haunt industry and subculture, covering everything from the experiences put together by Universal Studios during the Halloween season to backyard homespun haunts, the newest subgenre, extreme haunts, to the lives of the actors and talented people making it all happen. We are pleased to welcome John Schnitzer. What an intro. That's a great intro. Thank you. I hope I live up to it. Wow. Well, tell us about the first horror film experience that entranced you into the whimsy of the genre. Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. That was totally, you know, I was able to see whatever I wanted to see. Basically, my parents would go drop me off at the video store drop me off at the movie theater. I would just spend all day watching movies. But I remember when I first started seeing pictures and the trailers for A Nightmare on Elm Street, and there was something about that claw and the bathtub picture. And I was like, oh my God, this looks like too much. In my mind, it was like, they're going to do the worst thing ever with that claw. It's going to be the worst. <laughs> most. I st- had nightmares about Freddy before I'd ever seen the movie, before I saw a picture of him. I saw the poster and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, it's a skull, it's burnt, it's, it's a burnt skull, and he's got a claw, and he's, he, he's into bathtubs, like, I'm not, I'm not taking a bath, I'm just, I was so, <laughs> and then finally, in fifth grade, and a friend of mine had it on VHS, and he's like, I got, I've got it, you want to see it? He puts it on, and I totally fell in love with the movie because it made me laugh out loud, it made me scream. It was like a rush. I never had a nightmare about Freddy or any other made up character ever again. It never happened because 
I just was like, this is just incredible. This is genius. like when the wall pushed through the first time when Heather Lingkamp knocks Nancy, knocks on, <laughs> yeah. on, the, on the wall. And it's like the ultimate magic trick. It was the camera didn't move. There wasn't an edit. It just happened. I just saw it happen. And the story was so funny and twisted and scary. I'm just like, this is the coolest fucking shit ever. And he, once it was done, he's like, want to see part two? I got part two. I'm like, sure. He puts it on. I'm like, what is this piece of shit? What is this piece of shit that's fondly remembered? What is this garbage? As a child, I'm not talking as an adult right now. I'm talking about fifth grade me. I was like, what is this garbage? I said that out loud. He's like, oh, this is great to look at this. I'm like, once they got to that tail snapping scene in the in the shower, I was like, what am I watching? Look, I did look at it again like a year ago, and it's a lot better than I was giving it credit for. Right. But it's so funny. I remember when I just had to see every horror film after that. You know, I saw everything. Poltergeist, you know, Halloween 1, Halloween 2, and then Halloween 3 happened. And I was like, where's Michael Myers? I was that, I was that kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I just... And the thing that really solidified just my love of horror was that right at the same time when that movie Summer School came out. Oh, oh yeah. Chainsaw. Chainsaw right. and yeah. Dave. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually, I saw that before I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre and it made me want to see Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> but that movie got me into looking out Tom Savini's bit makeup guide, Grand Illusions. And so people would come over to my house for Halloween and I would make people over and we would do bloody gory mess on everybody. There's this guy named Donald in the movie. Yep. So the guy who kind of looks like the Terminator. <laughs> you know, you know, and I met him in the sixth grade. I was the new kid in school and I came very prepared. I had a backpack full of Fangoria magazine. And for whatever reason, I was assigned to sit across from him. And he's like, that's Fangoria. I'm like, yeah, he's like, is it the pullout poster of Freddy or Pinhead? <laughs> <laughs> I've got both. He's like, that's awesome. And then he's like, we hung out after that. BFFs. Then, so in the movie, there's a part where he's talking about working at the Lombardary Elementary School's Fall Carnival Haunted House. We did that together. And there's a photograph in the movie of that sixth grade version of me. I'm wearing the skeleton t-shirt yeah. and the Freddy claw, like the worst homemade Freddy costume. <laughs> it's like the perfect like 1989 <laughs> bullshit costume. So like I was Freddy, he was some dead army guy and we scared the shit out of people and the haunt <laughs> so bad that they broke through the cardboard to get away from oh, us. That's oh, that's awesome. Nice. The haunt closed because of us. They go, well, now the haunt's <laughs> over. I'm like, we did it. <laughs> like, we were like the most bullied kids in school, but that was the time when we were... We scared the crap. You're in control. It was the greatest. It was awesome. So the haunt experience is, you know, when we were all kids is vastly different than it is now. The extent of it was probably a dark ride trailer that they'd pull into the local carnival or whatever happened to be in town. I mean, the highest level would probably be the haunted mansion at Disneyland. When did you notice... Uh, was that the first time when you did your own? Was that the first time that you kind of got into the haunt world? And when did you notice it kind of escalating? I was five years old when I, would, when I went to the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland. Oh, wow. But I remember being on my dad's shoulders, like trying to read all of the tombstones and all the, see all the jokes that were outside. Right. And after I went on it, I made him go on it over and over and over again. And that became the thing that every time I went to Disneyland, the first ride I would go on and the last ride I would go on would be Haunted Mansion. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't even consider that a haunted house because it's more of um, a dark ride. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. There really wasn't a lot. Like, Not Scary Farm 
was the big deal out here. Still right. is. Now, a quick question about that. I had always heard the lore was that Knott's was the very first theme park That's to the first, do a haunted, you know, turned it into a haunted theme park. That is, is that the true? very first theme park haunt ever. Wow. And they were taking from what the JCs were doing and what the, um, the, the Junior Chamber of Commerce and they were also taking from the churches, the churches. Right. You got it. Not the hell houses before hell houses when it was youth for Christ. Yes, that was like the thing I found out when I was making my movie. I kept hearing about campus life and John Murdy Universal kept saying, oh, yeah, campus life was such a big deal to me. And people at Knott's kept mentioning campus life. And I didn't know what they were talking about. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. This was put on by youth for Christ. And it had nothing to do with the church. It was just like surgery scenes and the first polka dot rooms ever you know where like everyone's wearing a black costume mm-hmm. and they have the, the polka dots they put on the black lights and all of a sudden there's floating polka dots no they yeah. come after you yeah. they came up with most of the major i would say like 90 percent of what you know in a traditional boo scare maze came out of youth for christ so you know thanks to them we've you know that they, they help spawn things like not scary farm not scary farm came up with a lot though they came up with the idea of a shaker can. They came up with the idea of sliders sliding on. Oh, that was Nazi. Oh, yeah. You came up with that. They were the first. Wow. Well, they're oh. still the best. <laughs> they're amazing. Look, yeah. not Scary Farm. They attract some of the best talent ever because they're attracting people who grew up going there. And who doesn't want, to, if you're going to be a scare actor, I mean, come on, Ghost Town Streets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's the coolest yeah. place to do it. Yeah. It's the shape of the land. It's the the massive amount of space they have to work with and the kind of chokehold areas around them. It's being able to sit at that restaurant at Ghost Town Streets and just sit there if you're lucky enough to get there early so you can actually watch everyone getting scared. <laughs> That's like the best ticket in town. Sit <laughs> yeah. there and watch it's it. really cool. And they've got, they got John Cook. I mean, John Cook is the, this year, he's the lead designer at Not Scary Farm at Queen Mary. He has his own R-rated escape room that's completely terrifying called uh, Murder Co. Oh, I'd heard about yeah. that. That's amazing. And this is John Cook, also known as Johnny Plague, the singer of the it. band Winds of Plague. You got it. Super talented guy. Um, like, I think wh- he's done some of my favorite knots. Did he do Trick or Treat? Did he make that maze? He did the additions to it last oh, year with the flashlight. Oh, yeah. Lights yeah. Right. The Trick Lights Out lights version out, of it. Awesome. Yeah. But he did create Paranormal Incorporated. Oh, that's amazing. He yeah. created their kind of laser tag one that they do, mm-hmm. which I hate that I call it laser tag what's it called it's a much better name than that is it infected, infected special ops yeah, yeah, yeah. boom yeah. infected special ops you got it he created that whole idea and he also created my favorite one from last year the dark ride oh that's an awesome one it's genius the idea <laughs> that a dark theme park ride is on the fritz <laughs> and you have to walk on the track and go in and out of the security room area i'm like what an awesome idea. Yeah. It kind it's of so feels good. like that Dr. Satan uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. It does give that vibe, yeah. <laughs> it has that, but it, it has that extra touch of like, we went into the security break room. Right. Did I make a wrong turn? <laughs> I love that idea. That was so, I know, it's really original. It's super cool. He's a very creative guy. I asked him how he learned how to do all that stuff. And he's like, from YouTube videos. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah, I know. Absolutely amazing. I mean, haunting is a real DIY world, you know, so it's been interesting to see that now there is as many subgenres of haunt as there are of horror films. So you got everything from like the traditional supernatural to torture porn to everything in between. Yeah. That was a cool thing about your movie. You kind of covered the whole spectrum, you know. Thank you. And you can see the different motives. Like people, they all have different motives while they do it too. It's yeah. Very interesting. I appreciate that. I mean, like my feeling was I want to see this stuff. I'm too afraid to go to talk about nightmares. 
when I filmed at McKamey Manor, I had nightmares for months afterwards. <laughs> and yeah. I would get together with other people who went through it and we would talk about it. And I was like, oh my God, this is the diet version of we were at the same war together. Right. Yeah. Going through a traumatic experience. It really was. I mean, even filming it. Well, after watching it, I mean, ask Lauren, I literally had McKamey nightmares for probably about three weeks. <laughs> I mean, seriously. After, <laughs> yeah. I remember we Thanks. finished watching it on like a Sunday <laughs> afternoon. I was like, oh man, I feel weird after watching that. Did you pop up at the edge of your bed? See, yeah. See the yeah. Yeah, exactly. Love and then, uh, you know, then uh, after that you go on and you see, you know, during the documentary, Russ McKamey's making these these videos of the attendees and their experiences at the McKamey Manor, which is known as the most extreme haunt in North America, it was out of San Diego at the time you're filming now is in Tennessee. You could really go down that rabbit hole and you start looking at all the videos. You got to sign up on YouTube to see them. You got to be 18 to watch them. They're super long. And then you could also start watching the reaction videos before and after are the people who go and you see their transformation starting off, you know, innocent looking waitresses or accountants or ex-army guys or whoever. And then you watch the post video and they just look like they've been through hell and back. It's insane. And then you can go and see the Instagram accounts of the people who work at McKamey Manor. Oh. And you can see what they talk about outside of McKamey Manor. And the, you know, there's some pretty hard-edged people that are doing this stuff. And I just kept going down it and down it. And then I was just, it was all I was thinking about. Like, how does this guy get away with it? What, what's really going on in there? Is, is it all smoke and mirrors? Because he keeps saying. He loves to say smoke and mirrors. And I'm like, what part of this guy vomiting all over the place is smoke and mirrors? <laughs> well, I mean, you could watch. drowning over here. What's the smoke and mirror part? Oh, it's an illusion. It's, it's waterboarding. Like, there's no board. There's no cloth. So they're actually being drowned right here, dude. <laughs> like, have you, do you know what waterboarding is? He's like, well, uh, like he kept saying psychological, and I kept saying, have you ever taken a psychology class before? And he's like, no. And I'm like, well, then how do you know? If this is a psychological scare, <laughs> right, if you have right, no right. background, you know, it, I'm really proud of all the things. Like, I wasn't trying to make an expose and I wasn't sure. trying to like, oh, I got you. I got you. That's not what I'm trying to do. Right. All I want to do is you're making a documentary. This is real. And these are the real people. And I want to make sure that everyone that's in it, for better or for worse, can actually say, that's me. That's who I am. And Russ has even said that. Like, he was, there were certain parts he really didn't want in the movie, but he said, that's exactly who I am. Everyone says that when they watch themselves in this film, which I'm really proud of. I'm really proud that there are moments that, about McKamey Manor that you would never have known about without watching this movie oh, yeah. from, from the fact that he's a wedding singer. No one knew that till my trailer came out. <laughs> Nobody knew that. A lot of people who worked there didn't know that. Then knowing that he never went through McKamey Manor, that blew my mind, but also made me go, whoa, then you actually have to, people have to have a safe word then because you have no idea what they're going through. You've never gone through it. There's a number of really bizarre things that came out while I'm holding the camera and he would just tell me, and then, of course, I did a lot of research. I wanted to make sure this isn't just a sales pitch, like what is being said here. And the stuff in the third act was really a really a trip just to hear who he replaced his other the kids scare actors with. I mean, when he said, yeah, I got a guy in here. He, he went to jail for assaulting a cop. And I was like, really? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'll do the background check. I'm sure it'll clear out. I'm like, what's the background check? You just said he assaulted a cop. (laughs) It's just terrifying. And people are going through, like when you sign up for this and you hear someone saying, 
you don't want to do this. It's going to, we're going to mess you up for life. But then what do you think about the last evil dead remake where they said the most terrifying film of all time, Right, like a sales pitch, right? Yes. Like think about every great horror film you've ever seen. Just repeat to yourself. It's only a movie. It's only a movie. It's going to terrify. It's going to fuck you up for life. And then you see it and it's like, no, it's just really nice. It's a good time. I, I got scared. I had a good time. So a lot of people going in, they're like, well, how bad could it be? Exactly. It's going to be great. Exactly. Right. You know, and then they go and the first time someone grabs you and you're like, whoa, that's not a good touch. <laughs> or if you get pinned against a wall and the walls all steel, you're like, oh, this feels really real. And there's a guy holding a camera and a light. I thought that would not be scary. I kept looking at his videos going, why are people looking this scared? There's a spotlight on them. Okay. Then when he's holding that camera, there's a spotlight on you and you can't see anything. You cannot see him. You can't see stuff around you because you're blinded by a spotlight. I mean, the guy spent hundreds of thousands of dollars building this thing. Half the time you're either blindfolded or there's a spotlight blinding your face. People you can't are, see what's going on, really. You can't see yeah. what's happening. It's for the people at home. It's for the people at home watching to see what it's like to be in that scary situation. And you look at the videos he has where they have 10 million views or more. And the comments, the hundreds of thousands of comments. I really wanted to film his face while he was filming people. I'm so glad I got that. Yeah. I was really wondering what the hell is this guy doing? And that's wild to see his his facial reaction is what gave me the nightmares, I think. Oh, sure. <laughs> sure. And, wa- and watching him laugh and watching, right. him, yeah. watching him editing. Well, he goes, he, he takes on a kind of a different persona yes. when he's with the, the attendees, right? Yeah. To, look, once he starts. The show's on. He man. shifts gears. He's yeah. different. I mean. Look at when he was Skype interviewing people, he's smiling. He's like, what, what scares you? And I just kept thinking this, this can't get that bad. I mean, I've seen his videos and this guy, I'm, I'm about to see that this is kind of bullshit, but then when it actually happened and I was there for it and that he even told me, you know, it used to be like a few hours. I think it's going to be eight hours now. But like what, so for all these hours, I mean, obviously we don't see it and the people who go on it don't talk about it. None of them talk about it. So obviously they're intimidated not to talk about something. There's, there's a veil of secrecy or illusion is all part of this. When you were seeing stuff, is it is it like, is there contraptions? Are they going through stuff or is it all one-on-one confrontations? It's interesting. It's interesting what he does. I mean, it was really like, uh, I, there was a time when I was like going, oh shit, should the whole movie just be about McKamey Manor? Right. But I'll tell you what, if it was, it would have gotten so much darker and so depressing that by the time you were done, it would have to be sponsored by Purell. <laughs> You're not going to watch it again. You're not going to be like, hey, I should get a Haunter shirt. Right, 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 right. Great movie. It would be more like, I saw it. You know, I don't want to do that. That's yeah. not what I want. I want to bring out the, the light, everything I love about haunting by using the darkness. Sure. You know, so I, I really think we, we did a good job of taking the, the darkness of the most insane horror attraction ever made to bring out the light of like Char Mayer, the legendary scare actor or Donald making a haunt in his mother's driveway or because it's funny when I when I had more haunts my first cut oh my god I had so many haunts it could have been called Hauntapalooza <laughs> it was haunt porn it was so much haunt that like if you're not like die hard haunt fan it was like garbage right like my wife was like what is this what are, what are you doing <laughs> like this is way too much haunt and she was right everyone was right it was too much haunt if, if you were a haunt fan then it was perfect 
but it's like I I'm not trying to make a haunt video yearbook. I'm not trying to preach to the converted. I want to get people that aren't into haunts into them. And the best way to get someone into a subculture is to pick a fight with them. And what happens when they watch this movie? They end up going, that Russ McCamey guy's insane. Well, this Charmeyer, that's actually, she's actually really sweet. Because when I had the equal amounts in there, everyone went, well, I guess they're all kind of crazy. And I was like, that, no, that's not a good takeaway. I have failed. Let me recalibrate. Because there are other people who watch this and want to do McCamey Manor, even after seeing the whole thing. But that's not a lot of people. There's always one that wants to do McCamey Manor. It's fascinating to see the people that want to go do it, their reasons for why they wanted to do it, and then why they wanted to work there. Because that was the trip to me. I kept thinking, well, after you go through something like that, why would you want to, why would you want to work there? And when I got that lady on camera saying, I really want to act here. And I said, why? And she goes, because I want to hurt. And she stopped and everyone laughed. She goes, I want to make other people feel the way I just felt. And I was like, well, there you go. That's it. Wow. That's, you think she was abused or something or uh, she came from some kind of traumatic past? Hey, she just came from a traumatic past there. Yeah. <laughs> she just got traumatized. Well, think of it this way too. Before that. I don't think so. I, I, not me for me to guess. It's more like, uh, think about fraternities. You pledge and for one year you're being tortured. You're being humiliated. And it goes on day and night. Almost every year someone dies in a fraternity, pledging a fraternity. And the reward of this fraternity is for three years you get to torture other people. You know, no one's ever died doing McKamey Manor. I just like to bring this up for context because I think our imaginations run wild and we just go, okay, well, this guy needs to go to prison. It's more like, well, wait, this whole Greek system that keeps killing kids for these frat house parties that these things exist. But this guy's got something in his backyard and immediately, you know, people want to stop it. Now, I get why they want to stop it. You don't know if you haven't been there. You don't know what it smells like. It smells awful. It was terrible. I threw up while filming in there more than a few times. Are you wow. going to release any of this stuff? Yeah, I, sh- I really should. I have so- The thing is, I have like close to 200 hours of footage because <sighs> think about it. Like I filmed I filmed Delusion for three years. Oh, I love Delusion. Yeah, I, do too. I was going to say, I noticed on your Kickstarter, there's a lot <laughs> of Delusion stuff. Yes, there was. And there's so little in the movie. You got it. It was a lot. It was, it was a, went from a lot to a little. And, you know, and John Braver... Who I know you've had on your show. Yeah. Yes. And he's amazing. You know, he's like the Spielberg of immersion. You know, he's, he's just such a talent and such a great storyteller. And I was w- trying to work it into the movie. The tricky part is when he had, when there were some actual real problems happening at delusion, uh, the neighborhood, like when they were in, in a, Oh, it's Silver Lake in the oh, church. Right. church. Yeah. yeah. That's right. So when the, the neighborhood kind of conspired against them, he was at a real low point. And he didn't want me filming them at their lowest point. If you're having the worst moment in your life. Right. And then I show up, you know, with a camera and a microphone. I'm like, here, let's get that mic on you. I get the reason why he didn't want that on camera. I totally understand. That affects the narrative in the movie, though. Because if if every major turning point is a scene missing card, then in the movie sucks. Yeah, that's fair. So what I did was I, I compiled it down to like eight awesome minutes that are in the bonus features and the bonus features, you get to actually see him directing too. Oh, cool. in between when people leave a room, you see him in night vision, pop out and direct the actors. You get to see them do the stunt rigging 
and all that. All oh, the to reset stuff. like for the next group. Awesome. And, yeah. You get to see that. You get to see little bits and pieces in all those heights. Then you also get to hear him talking about what happened when things fell apart in one location or another. And you get to see his big comeback also. It's like, it's like a little mini movie. It's like, I'm really proud of those bonus features. I mean, they're like, there's seven like little mini documentaries. And one of them is of um, uh, the LA Haunted Hayride. Oh, yeah. They gave me very limited access. And I only got to film with them like one afternoon and one night. But what you get to see in the bonus features is you actually get to watch them having a creative meeting and arguing and fighting over what's going to be in the hayride. And then you get to see the actual hayride happen. And it's, it's, it was a spectacle. It was, that was the year that they were on Shark Tank. Oh, yeah. a big year for them. Yeah, big year for them. And that was one of my favorite years they ever had. But it made sense in the bonus features because if it was in the movie, it feels crowbarred in. But in the bonus features, you get these beautiful deep dives that in the movie itself... It would feel like, why do we go into to this emotional direction mm-hmm. here? Why do we do that? You will, there's at least one bonus feature that will totally choke you up and you'll love it. It's the guys from Haunted Overload with a giant massive skull. Okay, you get their story and it's such a great story. But it's one of those great stories where it's in, they're in New Hampshire. I could only afford to be out there for so long. It's another one of those things where it's like, it made perfect sense to the bonus features because once you see it, you want more of it. But if there isn't any more of it, then that's a problem. So I'm really excited about the bonus features in the movie. I wanted it to feel less of a documentary and more of a movie. Like we're moving forward. Here we right. go. Here's your characters. Here's the world. And it all kind of connects. Like I was being brutal with my footage. I wanted to make sure that when this movie is done, it's, it's going to be an it's an hour and 28 minutes. And if anyone wanted that movie to be longer, it's the guy who spent four years making it. Right. You, know? <laughs> like, you should have made it longer. But I'm like, well, dude, there wasn't a lot of binge worthy stuff. There wasn't a lot of like, hey, we want six hours of this. Like six hours would have been easy for me to make. Hour 28 was brutal. It was all, I had nightmares about the editing. We would have panic attacks thinking about what drive is this sh- shot on? And I have like just a wall of hard drives at home. It was oh just my God. overwhelming. Of course yeah. it was overwhelming. Yeah. It was, I didn't celebrate a birthday. I didn't do anything for four years. Nothing. You know, I it was obviously it was just so overwhelming and crazy, but I'm just so happy with how it came out. Well, that it really, yeah, like you said, it does play out like a movie. There's a cohesive storyline following these three main characters, you know, Char, Donald, and Russ, for the most part. Did you anticipate that going in, that there would be such a great story arc with these characters? Or did you have to, did you find it as you were making this film and just go, oh shit, wow, I'm getting some really emotional stuff. I'm getting some great wins, some losses, some drama. I didn't know what was going to happen with, with their lives. And there were times where I was getting great footage from this one haunt. And then they were like, we don't want you filming anymore. And I was like, they were going to be the star of the movie. And I was like, okay, got it. Donald's story was a totally different story from the start. His story, this, this killed me. His neighbor across the street. Okay, so here's the deal. He's been doing this haunt in his mother's driveway for a decade. And for years, he's like, come on to my, my haunted house. I'm like, there's no way I'll go there. Because I grew up with his family and his brothers used to attack him. They attacked me when I was a kid. Yeah. Well, it talks about that in the film. His brothers like really injured him. I was dying to interview these guys. Yeah. You know, because it's anyways, my parents called me and said, we went to Donald's haunted house and it was great and it's so awesome. And I was like, fine, if my parents can go, I'll go. 
And I went and I was like, oh my God, this dysfunctional family has been brought together by this haunted house. And I got really overwhelmed. I was like so happy for Donald and for his family. Not so much for his wife, who just hated it so much because <laughs> she doesn't. She wasn't there before. She that was, that was great, though, in the movie. Oh right? That God. conflict was great. <laughs> oh, she still hates me. <laughs> but yeah, it was great conflict. But here's what was going on. So I went there, and his neighbor across the street has an awesome haunted house. Oh, an awesome haunted. Totally different. He's a, a father with a bunch of daughters, and so they're into a different aesthetic, and it's awesome and beautiful and colorful and fun and they buy a ton of awesome props that you see at trans world and stuff like have it across the street and i'm like this is awesome what a they have a scare zone in the middle two haunts on either side oh my god this is the greatest thing ever and i told donald i'm like this is so incredible you must like really love this guy he's like i don't even know his name like what? He's like, I don't talk to that guy. He's the competition. <laughs> He's like, he buys all his stuff anyway. I make my stuff. Look at that garbage. Oh, I can get that too for twenty thousand dollars. And I was like, Oh my god, this could be the whole movie. Yeah. The whole movie. A nightmare on Loganberry. Boom and boom. Yeah. I mean, with one wide angle lens, you actually can see both houses. It was like, I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. And then I interviewed Donald about them. And it's like the greatest interview ever. And he is just going on and on about, you know, it's not, it's like competing against a baby. I'm not going to, if it's really a competition between me and a baby, I'll murder the baby. <laughs> and his wife is like, you're not going to let him say that on camera. You're not going to let him say that on camera. I'm like, I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. And then I interview the neighbors and they're just like, Donald is the greatest. Oh, no. You know, oh, no. we just, we can't compete. We can't compete. He's a genius. And then I was doing an edit where it went back and forth and he was just like, I mean, look at these jerks. They could just buy everything. And it goes to them, okay, so we don't have his artistic ability. And so we buy different things. But I tell you what, he gets gorier and more violent every year. It raises our bar. I mean, we're doing stuff that we never thought we'd do. And I'm like in tears, laughing so hard, going, oh, my God, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. And I show up the next day with the camera and Donald goes, you know what? You're right. I went over there. I introduced myself. What a great guy. I think (laughs) that's it. No conflict. No problem. There was nothing. And then it was just like... (laughs) Nothing, and then when ha- that happens, guess what else happens? Nothing else happens. <laughs> yeah. Nothing else happened. Nothing happened. That neighbor had a perfect haunt, though, and it was so good. And I tried putting that haunt into the movie still, and every time I did, it didn't work because it's such a delicate thing when you're putting together a, a narrative for a movie. And if one piece is off, you can feel it, and it's like, oh, that doesn't work. I mean, I still wanted to make sure delusion was in there. I wanted to show them as like what the future of haunting can be because that idea of immersive storytelling, which while we're doing that in the movie, no one was talking about it (laughs) at all. Right. And now that's every, there's entire podcasts that are just dedicated to immersive theater. There's entire, like everyone's talking about it and we could see this is where the future is going anyway. Look at, look at what Darren Lynn Bowsman, the director of Saw 2, 3 and 4, look what he's doing with his, you know, tension experience, lust experience, and now theater macabre. It's all about immersion. So cool. So I'm glad we had that in there because it really is like this movie is about what happened when haunts started getting extreme. When they went from boo scare to waterboarding 
And at the same time, everyone, as I was filming, thought it was a bubble that was about to pop. Everyone thought someone was going to get killed. We're all going to get shut down. That's not what happened. And it said, what's happened? There's thousands of more haunts than they've ever been before. And they're now springing up all around the world. I was just in Spain and there was a haunt and they just used, they made a giant haunted castle. It was incredible. There are haunts all around the world now. And they're getting inspired by seeing what goes on over here. It's completely incredible. And now there's even haunts that are extreme and interactive at the same time, like the 17th door. Oh, uh, I heard that's intense. You've never done it? No. I'm going to go again tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) I love it so much. You say here you get electrified, shot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but look. You're still here. I'm I'm still here. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you, like, it's so much fun. I'm going to go to Universal again, too. I love... You don't get electrified at Universal. No, you don't. You don't. And you, and you know that's not going to happen to you. And you know when you go, it's about magic and whimsy. And yeah, it's like a waking dream, right? You know nothing's going to harm you. It's more like an artistic achievement. Yeah. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? When you go see that, it's like, wow, this is incredible. Some of my favorite haunts now don't have a supernatural theme to them at all. Like we were talking about the dark ride at Not Scary Farm. Nothing supernatural. It's just... The ride isn't working, and there's some psychotic clowns walking around. There's not one ghost in that ride. It's the idea that something that's man-made is falling apart, and the people that are supposed to work there to scare you are there to menace you. Murder Co., which is an escape room with straight-up plot like from a hostel. So it's like hostel where you're basically like, you're the wealthy person who's paying to watch someone get murdered. They let you choose who the killer is going to be, and they give you a selection before you go so then you show up and they go we've prepped the killer the artist they call them the artist of course and it's awesome <laughs> and they actually got original masks made by um oh that awesome mask company that i'm of course now that i'm on a podcast silver shamrock immortal no. immortal masks <laughs> immortal, immortal masks immortal masks so they got some original masks made by immortal masks so they already look oh, amazing. they're insane looking you go in there and they open up this curtain and you see someone getting tortured and murdered in front of you. And the special effects are incredible. And you're also going, this is not what I expected. I thought you, you this is an escape room. Then the power goes out. Then the killer is not there anymore. And neither is <laughs> the victim. Uh-oh. Then the door is open. And then you need to get out before it happens to you. Oh, wow. And you can hear someone screaming for help from an event. And they're kind of giving you clues where you're trying to figure out how to get out of this room. As this is going, there are still more actors that are working there and things that are happening around you and every once in a while to you. The suspense is so crazy that I was like, oh, my God, this is really freaking me out. (laughs) (laughs) I was like really getting nervous. And you're focusing on solving the clue. Well, the clue is story driven. It's not like a little Mm -hmm. puzzle thing. Everything you're doing is how do I get out of this room? How do I get into that next room? How do I solve this code here? And as you're doing that, the music keeps getting more intense. And by the way, you don't see any facade while you're in there. Every light, everything, it's all real. And it feels real too. And if you solve it and you get out, there's a reward. And if you don't, there's a punishment. (laughs) (laughs) And if you've done it once before, you can return as what they call snake in the grass, where you get to scare the other people who are going through it. Uh, Okay, now that's not a haunt. But it is. It's this new wave, you know? It's like, Mm. that's the the kind of mind-blowing thing. There's a lot of things that happen in McKamey Manor that mainstream haunts have been using. And that's what's so exciting about the haunt world now, is that this is an ever-growing subculture. And you think of it this way, I just think about haunts now more as like, 
it's representing a subgenre of horror. So if someone says, I love horror, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, which, what kind? What kind? Because not everyone's into everything. Not everyone's like, oh, I'm all about martyrs. <laughs> you know? <laughs> on, on that note, on that note, I'm thinking, I think of haunts, I think of the classic stuff like Not Scary Farm, Universal, you sure. know, all the stuff we've seen up, up to this date, right? My question is this. You have haunts on one side. What's the problem with calling the other side a horror experience? Nothing. You can totally call it that. But where does it come out of? It still comes out of the, the umbrella. You know, it still comes out of this tree. It's an offshoot. It still came from that. It's just different. Like there's theater and there's experimental theater, you know, and experimental theater is where a lot of this stuff came from. I mean, Josh Randolph um, and his partner, I think it was the name was uh, Chris Thor. They came out of the experimental theater world. They were off Broadway for 20 years and they were having audiences crawl and do really bizarre. They were doing Shakespeare and Chekhov and Maeterlinck shows, but with his weird interactive stuff, sometimes... In total darkness. Is that like sleep no more? Do they do sleep no more? That kind of a thing. Yeah. They, they didn't do that. But yeah, that sort of idea. You know, this is something that happened like I think the um, in Hollywood at the American Legion Hall. It's by the Hollywood Bowl. They did a show called Tamara. Yep, they did that. There you yeah, go. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, the first time they ever did Tamara was, I believe, in the early 1960s. And then they kept bringing it back. It's an interactive play. Mm -hmm. And every time they bring it back, it's so cool. Because actually, there's a part of the American Legion that they used for The Shining, for pickup shots, for the bar. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, first time I went there, I was like, this looks a lot. They go, yeah, it was for pickup shots for The Shining. I'm like, that, it, <laughs> it, it's so perfect. So this type of experimental theater, sure. But no one ever said, okay, that's not theater. Because it is. But you had an experience that you went through. I get the idea, though, because I know a lot of people are just hate the idea of something that extreme being part of what they do, being part of the haunt world. However, guess what? When people talk about that, the next thing they do, they talk about not scary farming, universal. It's the greatest commercial to go to something where you're not going to have something force fed to you. And it gets a conversation going. And people who never went to haunts before not only have gone to haunts but have worked there as scare actors after seeing Haunters from last year when it was doing the festival circuit. We started getting so many emails. Char, the scare actor, she's now mentoring scare actors, people who want to act in these, these haunts. And they go to 17th Door now where she trains them. And it's because they saw this as like, wow, this is a world I didn't know about. And if I can affect them without touching them, or if I can, but it's in a place where, you know, like seven, even 17th Door is totally controversial they're doing really wild stuff, but Char's in charge of the actors, and that says everything. That's, that means that someone who really cares about the connection between the monster and the human, someone who really cares about that, she's in charge, and she's going to make sure what? That that person isn't going to go too far. However, they push it to the edge. I'm telling you, like, it's scary. Their VR experience is terrifying. That VR experience, I was so close to yelling a safe word during that VR experience. I was screaming my head off because it was so scary. They strap you into a metal chair and they strap you into that chair. This is a metal chair. And these are straps are like tight. And I'm like immediately like, I don't want to. This is too much already. Then you get in the VR and yeah, there's a guy with a cattle prod in virtual reality. He sticks you with it and you get a shock. <laughs> like, what the hell is this? And then the thing you're on. It's not a stationary chair. It's a ride. Oh, that's and cool. moving. <laughs> and, and now you're not just you're moving. There are people that are in the room with you while it's moving. And you're like, oh, no, 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 no. And you just hear people screaming around you. By that time, that's over. 
Then the haunt starts. What are your favorite haunts that you do religiously like every year? What are your like top five? Oh, man. Okay. So that's like the hardest question in the world. For I me. know. <laughs> I go to so many, but I'll tell you like, here's the ones that I think about all year and I have to do them over and over again. Okay. So okay. 17th door. I love it. I really do. It's so much fun. They do not pay me. <laughs> I talk about them all the time. That's how I feel about delusion. Like we tell oh, everybody about yeah. delusion. Delusion's incredible. Really it. Delusion's incredible. Yes. You know, and that's another one. It's like, he hates it when I call it a haunt. <laughs> He's like, it's not a haunt. Yeah, he yeah, does. He yeah, does. Yeah. I know. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, you, you do it during October. <laughs> you called it a haunted play presents. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, let's go through the list, Braver. You really, you really went on a limb here. Making sure, did it come out during Easter? No. No. But, but, but last, e- last Easter, there were 40 Easter haunted houses, though. 40 wow. across wow. America. That's crazy. Where you had to find an Easter egg in each room. It was just the normal haunts that were just like hey what do we do during Easter let's have people look for plastic (laughs) eggs have people in bunny costumes with chainsaws chasing you. There you go. <laughs> Whoever had the most eggs at the end wins a shirt. It's a genius idea. Um, anyways, okay. So 17th, 17th door. door. I'll put Delusion in there. Delusion is amazing. It's, yes. a, it's, it's such an adventure. Zombie Joe's Underground Theater presents Urban Death. Where's that? That is in North Hollywood. That is $15 for a 40-minute show. He's been doing it for over 20 years. It's amazing. My wife, who's... I had enough of haunts. <laughs> Definitely, there's a there's a haunt widow section in my movie. Sure. She can really relates to. She's like, uh, you're gonna talk, you're gonna go somewhere and talk about haunts right now? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't tell me about it. I've had enough. I've had enough. And I get it. And uh, but guess what? The two that she can't miss: Seventeenth Door and Zombie Joe's Underground Theater. Okay, just know that the theme parks, not Scary Farm, Universal, of course, no brainer. Yeah, those are great. Home haunts, Rotten Apple, nine oh seven. Yes. This year is a Pinocchio theme. I wish they yes. did like VIP. Oh yeah, that's our problem. We always show because the line's so long. Got to get there. You got to get there earlier because they cut it off. Yeah, I know they they should just charge an insane amount of money. Yeah. We would all pay. Yeah, Rotten Apple nine oh seven is such a beautiful, magical celebration of haunt it's by two people who don't like haunted houses. They don't like really? going. They're too afraid to go. He's in construction. She's in interior design. Ah, well, see. that's why it looks so good. Whoa. Yeah. 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 Do they work Leo. in Hollywood? Do they work in movies? Or, or, uh, no. They, they, no they, they just do like normal construction and oh, normal d- design. But one mile away from there, of course, is the Backwoods, backwoods Maze. Yes. Yeah. Got backwoods. It. So a great night to me is to do Rotten Apple, Backwoods, and Zombie Joes in one night because it's a totally different experience. But of course, not a haunt, but I got to do it. Boney Island is back and it's so incredible. It's so much fun. The guy used to be an animator in The Simpsons. The reason he created Boney Island in his front yard is because his daughter was too afraid to go to haunted houses. (laughs) And he's like, well, let's just do something that's G-rated fun. And I love it. It's so much fun. So he's teamed up with the train. Yeah, the ghost train. Ghost train. I can't wait to do both. I'm going to do both of those too. What are the best haunts for kids? Hey, look, Rotten Apple 907, I think, is the best haunt for kids. And Reign of Terror. Little kids, yes. Reign of Terror. (laughs) What is it like? Have you been when the lights are on? Reign of Terror? They do a special lights on thing for kids. Do they run the animatronics? No, they show you. Look. When the lights are on, they show you how everything works. There's oh, nothing. That's cool. It's impossible to be afraid when the lights are on because then okay. Bruce Stanton comes out. Bruce Stanton, who is like the opposite side of the coin of Russ McCamey. <laughs> <Right>. when they, <laughs> if they both are in a room, 
it, like they're the same height. Yeah. Oh, they wear yeah, the same yeah. clothes. <laughs> it's like Some it's like other I, it's so funny. Like those guys, and they couldn't be more different. And Bruce, I interviewed him, and he's in medical equipment sales. So that's right. Everyone like <laughs> talks about haunts in a different way. I'm always obsessed with who's the person doing it. <laughs> who's the haunter? Who's the person? I have to know everything about the people who are in charge. He's is in big medical equipment sales. And then what does he do the rest of the year? He's just constantly every weekend working at the hunt. I asked his wife like what she thinks of that. She said, well, I know he's not cheating on me. <laughs> he's just constantly here. He could be working on a car. He could be, you know, out drinking beers with people. I just know that he's always you're working at the hunt. It's a beautiful thing. And I love that they have the lights on tour. Rotten Apple does that too. Oh, really? It's a lesser known tour that happens usually in the very beginning of November. They do their own Haunter's Night where the guys from Reign of Terror, the guy, people from all the theme park haunts, they go to Rotten Apple. Bruce Stanton from Reign of Terror went through their uh, clown maze that they had. And they were even saying, we're not going to do this one again. And he bought the sets from them. Uh-huh. So when you went through that clown maze part of Reign of Terror, that oh, wow. was from Rotten Apple. Wow. No and way. he did a different spin on it where he had those different doors where different things happened. That was his own spin on it. But that's how good Rotten Apple is. And their lights on maze is great because they start pointing and showing you how they do everything. I think the backwoods maze is good for a kid, though, because they're not so focused on the scare. They're yeah. focused more on the atmosphere. You know, so I think that's definitely one that uh, any kid can go to. And there's so many more independent haunts that are always popping up. I'm telling you right now, if you have a chance to go to New Hampshire, to go to Haunted Overload, where they have the giant props that are four stories tall. You know what's a great one, too? It's if you're ever in Pittsburgh, the Scare House. It's fantastic. And in the basement, they have the Scare House Basement. It's an extreme haunt that's really cool. And I have lots of highlights from the Scarehouse basement in my movie through the different montages. There's thousands more. I mean, Ohio is just a billion haunts in Ohio that are incredible. There's one in Connecticut that I keep hearing about that it's, it's in this guy's house that his family grew up in. They, they're obsessed with the antiques. And he created his own interesting guided haunt where you go up to the fourth floor, you get into the bed. He get, has, tells you to get in the bed, you get in. He pulls this, this thing and all next thing you know... The floor opens up, the bed goes vertical, and you go down a slide into a different room. (laughs) And all these things, what? Wherever you look, I'm going to be going to a haunt in Mexico City. There's one in Switzerland that I I keep hearing is the most, now the most extreme haunt in the world's in Switzerland. So there's just so many. Now, would you say that LA is kind of the epicenter or the Southern California is the epicenter and it kind of spread out from there? Or is it just something that's just happening? Don't tell that to someone from St. Louis. I'll kill you. (laughs) Because St. Louis, they're like, we're the ones. We started it. Look. Michigan, the JCs were killing it in Michigan. Mm. And they came up with some of the, the best stuff ever over there. I'm just excited that I made a movie that is entertaining to watch, but also it sparks a debate. It's a conversation. You can feel the passion that I have leaping off the screen. That was like my hope. And what's fun about this is the fact that when Char goes to Whole Foods now, people ask her for an autograph. It's really cool. <laughs> it's like, I mean, the fact that the film is still touring. I mean, it went from Kickstarter to Netflix. And we were just at Sigis, which is the biggest horror and fantasy film festival in the world. It is absolutely incredible. John Carpenter performed live with his band. Now it goes off to tomorrow. It's going to be in Norway. And then after that, it's in the Dead of Night Film Festival in the U.K., 
And then the movie is showing at a film festival called Morbido. That is, look it up. This is, they have the greatest poster I've ever seen for a horror film festival ever. It's absolute insanity on the poster. There's witch shops there. You can hang out with the real, like the real witches and stuff. I'm like, oh my God, I'm, this is going to be <laughs> so much fun. I mean, the fact that the film is still touring and still playing at theaters and gets translated into more languages i'm like it's incredible i was hoping people would watch it the fact that we're here right now talking about it it's amazing to be able to create something and then find your community through that that's why i did way too much on <laughs> <laughs> i think we gotta wrap oh, we yeah. gotta relieve the babysitter oh yeah, dude, I, yeah. Don't, don't ask me about haunts man <laughs> i will not shut up about haunts i'll tell you right now well dude thank you so much for being here man oh this is awesome this place awesome. is incredible thank I you i don't know why you're not even you should be filming all of this <laughs> I told you I was going to have you for lunch, didn't I? That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode number 30. Special thanks to our guest, John Schnitzer. Follow him on Instagram and Twitter at John underscore Schnitzer. That's J-O-N Schnitzer, N-C-H-N-I-T-Z-E-R. And at Haunters the Movie on Instagram and Haunters underscore Movie on Twitter. Get Haunters the Art of the Scare on Netflix, also available on iTunes, Blu-ray, and DVD with tons of bonus features that are definitely worth it. HauntersMovie.com. Till next time, Trev for the Boo Crew saying, see you on the other side. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo The Boo Crew is Tim Timebomb, Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shand, Austin Wilkin and Rachel Tejada The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation. It's time for this a boogeyman to boogie.